Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, hey, you may take a seat. Uh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you, this is um, for years and years and years, it's such a joy for me to come to this place to gather together. There's something beautiful when the body of Christ comes together. There's things that, there's things you can get in secret that you can't get in a setting like this, but there's also things in a setting like this that you can't get in secret. It's not one or the other, but it's both and when we come together. And, uh, um, just absolutely love this church, love your pastor, and um, it's been a joy just to journey with you over the last couple days. And uh, just as we were sitting down um, during this time, I just, man, the, there's, I always say when I come to the church, I just can't help, but there's just like atmosphere to hear the Lord. And I just heard something very specific for Grace Life, and I heard the Lord say that this is a stronghold for the city Perth. You see, a stronghold is actually a fortified city or a fortified space that the enemy cannot attack. So it becomes a safe place. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't want to attack. Actually, a fortified boundary is exactly, the stronghold is actually the very, he says, if I can break the stronghold, look at the victory that we're going to have. So there's a safety, but also there's this very present danger. So here's the thing. Do you want the good news first or the bad news? Yeah, have you ever had that question? The bad, all right, the bad, there is going to be attack. Like this, this, you have hell's attention, all right? Okay, so when you look at anointing and the anointing of God, it comes together in two places. It comes together in you. So it comes in a place where there's actually pressure and attack from the enemy, all right? So let, let me just say this. Jesus said, that you've anointed my head with oil, that I have been sent to proclaim good news, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set the oppressed free. Guys, that is what you guys are doing here at Grace Life. You are getting your hands dirty. You're going out to set free. But listen, here's what I, I just feel like I was just speaking to me. When you set captives free, you actually are upsetting the one that's holding them captive. <laughs> when you set the oppressed free, you're upsetting the oppressor. Like, do you hear the, the, the tension with what's going on? And, and here's the thing. There's going to be a new level to Psalm 23 where David says, you anoint my head with oil. You set a presence of my enemy. And I saw this table that you guys just with joy are sitting around. And the enemy's trying to get in. But I saw like a big fat steak on that table. Like it's not just, I mean, like, and if you're vegan, maybe God will deliver you today, all right? <laughs> like, like a big fat steak. I, saw this, I just saw you guys eating and getting refreshed. And God says, and I know your head with oil and surely goodness will follow you for the days of your life. Team, you're going to have to get creative because what you're doing here ain't going to hold what God's getting ready to release to your life. I even saw this. I saw, um, and this is interesting, the storehouse that you guys have. I feel like, one, there's going to be expansion. But when the nation of Israel went into the promised land, there was city that was already built. There was vineyards that were already there. The enemy built those things that they stepped into. 
I heard the Lord say the enemy is the expansion of the kingdom of God here in this place. So I don't know if that's government grants. I'm American. We always think the government's the enemy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but there's going to be resource that came, comes your way. When my wife and I moved to Australia, we, we actually, we are going to sell everything we had because I have four kids to restock. You know, we, we came over in just 12 suitcases. And um, the Lord actually said, no, I want you to give it away. He gave away our nicest furniture because he told us. And we furnished different people that had need. And, and, you know, we actually came over with furniture funds of like, it was like 800 bucks or 1,200 bucks. And we're like, what are we going to do with that with four kids? And we have nothing. Guys, when we came here, we got every single thing we have for $600. Everything. And some of the nicest stuff. And here's the thing. It wasn't Christians that resourced that. It was Gumtree, baby. You know, we, like, for wife would put, there'd be like a $1,000 bed, and my wife would offer 50 bucks for it and give the, like, some story to the people. I'm like, Ashley, they don't care. They, we're, they don't even like Americans that much. I don't know. Like, like, they don't, they're not stuck. And they would curse her back. Then the very next day, they'd wake up and say, come pick up the stupid bed for 50 bucks. I don't know why I'm supposed to do it. And these were non-Christians that God began to resource. I'm telling you, there's resource coming. You have to prepare. You're going to have to get creative. It's going to be good. All right? So the, the, the bad news, the enemy's going to attack. But I'm telling you, that's going to be the sweet spot. That's where you're going to get excited. That's where the stake's coming out. The fellowship, the joy. This is a refuge. And here's the beautiful thing. The reason I release that, that's for the house. But you're in the house. Like, I want you to know there's a di- different level of anointing that God wants to release into your life here. So let me just pray for you, then we'll get going. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. You're worthy of it all. Father, I thank you for this house that's willing to get their hands dirty. Lord, I thank you for this house that's willing to go after the captives, to go after the oppressed, to set them free. So, Father, I speak a new level of freedom to be released over this house. Lord, I speak mission to come out, Lord, to see people set free. Not just homeless, but yes, homeless. Not just people that are they're in addiction, yes, them, but the ones that are in bondage within their home and their workplace that are trapped by the enemy. Lord, this is just going to be a house of freedom, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I just thank you and I praise you and I speak just a, a new level of just strength and comfort and safety that, that they just know the enemy might be, you are here. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I want to plug one thing real quick. And my wife and I, it was during the COVID season, God brought us this phrase, the way, in the ministry called the way. And the way is what the Christian, the body of Christ was actually known before, before they were actually known as Christians, people of the way. And I, I believe we actually need to get back to that place because they weren't defined by life that they lived. You, do you hear me in that? Like they, they were committed to the ways of Jesus. And uh, so in that, my wife just got so stirred and just stepped out in faith because of what God was doing. And she actually has um, some church merch and some, some t-shirts that actually say the way. Um, and he, here's the idea behind that is we are very missional in who we are. 
And my wife, you know, she loves style, loves trends, and she would be preaching the gospel wearing a rocker AC. She was like, I can't do this. This isn't right. So she began to, to branch out and make some different things. But we've had people go, what's the way? What's the way? And I would tell them, it's a way of life. It's how we live, how we love, how we give. But ultimately, it's connected to a person in Jesus Christ, which is the way. We'd be able to share a testimony, be able to share those things. So, hey, if you've been looking for church merch, uh, man, th- this is for you, all right? My kids will get food somehow. No, I'm joking. Uh, for real, just if that's something that you want. What's that? Oh, yeah. And also, uh, just really very missional on that. The proceeds um, go to Teen Challenge. Uh, we have a very much of a heart for that. My father went through Teen Challenge. My sister-in-law that we raised went through Teen Challenge. We do mission trips to Teen Challenge as a family. Those are my people. And I absolutely love them with all my heart. So um, some of the proceeds go to that place. So we'll have the, the message today. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I always say I'm not the best preacher, but, but what I encounter is real. And many times I will not encounter, preach something that I have not journeyed through myself. And that's sometimes I have a love-hate relationship because some of the stuff that I walk through is really heavy. Like I'm not going to preach, hey, surrender all, be a living sacrifice, if I'm not willing to surrender all and be a living sacrifice. So sometimes I hear preachers say this stuff and I said it's good, but I don't think you really realize what you're saying. You know, it's some thick and some heavy stuff. And, and God, it was about three weeks ago, began to put a burden on my heart. And, and it was actually heavy. Like, what I'm going to release today, like, it, it, there's going to be a weightiness to it. Um, but I kind of got to get it off myself. <laughs> because I've, I've been walking in this, and I believe it's actually a message for not just a church, a, but it's of Christ. A message from the Lord, what he's wanting to say in one of the craziest climates that we've ever seen. Like right now, there's some crazy stuff that's going on. And the title of my talk is Where Love Leads. All right, Where Love Leads. Guys, the love of God should lead us to places that religion would never take us. The love of God should shock some churches and say, oh my goodness, you just went there. Oh my goodness, you just had that. Youth ministry, and we actually had, all right, I'm not going to go there. But like, um, let me get back on track. But... uh, (laughs) We actually had many churches accuse us and say, oh, look at you and, and who you're accepting and who you're, you're doing. And I'm like, who are you to say that? Do you even know what he's saying? Do you know the mission of Christ and what he's doing and what he's wanting to release? Here's the thing. I, in my early study, Jesus, I just believe if I was on that earth in that time living for the Lord, Jesus would have pushed every religious button in me. Guys, people called him a drunkard and a wine bibber. (laughs) He associated with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. Like, I think he would have pushed buttons, and I believe if he was, he is in you and I, but if the man came to this earth, I think he would shock us and surprise. He would go, the people that he would associate with. I think sometimes we can get in a church bubble that just needs to be popped. It just needs to burst. Like, where would love lead us if it wasn't about just looking good? Guys, God doesn't want a clean house. He actually likes to flip some tables and get a little real, get a little raw. Where can love lead us? There's a middle school verse that you might have known. You guys don't call it middle school, but like, 
years, seventh, seventh grade. Uh, but like in that range, there's a verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. Guys, we carry the mission of Jesus Christ. But for me, is it Andrew? He so loved his wife and his kids. And I do. Andrew, he so loved the church. So loved the people that loved him. See, Luke chapter 6 says, what good is it if you love the people that love you? Even sinners do that. Even drug lords love their family. <laughs> drug lords. Yeah. All right, anyways. Like, 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 what good is it? But can I say, Andrew, he so loved the people that hurt him. He so loved offended him. Andrew, he so loved the people that did not align with him politically. Ooh, just went there. <laughs> He so loved the people that stood against the word of God, the very thing that he has given his life to. Guys, do we so love the world? And here's the thing. Jesus, God said that he sent his son where immorality was 10 times worse than it is today. Guys, you want to talk about corrupt and distorted and child sacrifice and perversion. Look at the Roman culture, the era that Jesus stepped into, but he so loved the world. Do you know that sinners sin? Like, I don't know if you guys, but I was a good sinner when I didn't know Jesus. Like, I was good. Any, any other really good sinners before you met Jesus? <laughs> yeah. It should not surprise us when they go and do these things. But I believe every person is a love encounter away from their lives. Being, this John 3.16 so loved should come alive in our hearts today in the body of Christ. It should come alive into who we are. And verse 17 is probably my, my favorite part. For he did not come into this world to condemn it. He did not come into this world to point to this world to save it through him. <laughs> That's what we see. Through him. All right? It's this foundation. He is the answer. And what do you might say? But, Andrew, don't they need truth? Like, we, we, they need truth. And I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think you really understand what you're saying. Because they don't need knowledge. They don't need morality. They need to encounter the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. Encounter him. They're not going to be transformed. Transformation happens only when they encounter the risen one in Jesus Christ. That's it. That alone. And we can applause that. Yes, let's praise Jesus in this place. No person. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, no person is too far. No person is too far. Just need an encounter with Jesus. That it. That alone. And you and I, we carry a massive responsibility right now. Guys, we are living in an interesting time. In American culture, we are founded on the freedom of speech, and that's being removed right before our eyes. And they're saying this is hate, and this is this, and this is this. Who's defining that? I just read this article. It used to be schools were afraid of parents, but now parents are actually afraid. Like they're going to take kids away if you stand for morality. 
Like this is some crazy, crazy stuff that's taking place. In American culture, we are founded on the freedom of religion. But what we're seeing is actually the freedom from religion is coming to place. And you could do anything else. But if you talk about this, if you talk about truth, if you t- it's becoming a freedom of Christianity where we're beginning to see take place. Guys, more than ever, heaven to come into our hearts. And I believe this love, there's a world that is craving a love encounter. And that's what I want to lean into today. I just believe there's some things that, and I don't have all the answers today. I am kind of stirring the pot a little bit. I mean, there's a, there's a foundational thing, but I think some of the answers are in this room. I think some of the answers are going to be birthed inside of you, some things that we need to do to see transformation take place. Within. So we're going to look in Mark chapter 3. And in Mark chapter 3, um, there's this moment where the, religious leaders, Jesus stepping into the synagogue, and they're, they're just eyeing Jesus. No one he's getting ready to do something. They're trying to get him in a trap. They're trying to bust him. And here's why. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath. So they know, and they, they felt like that broke the law, so they're watching to see if he does it today. All right? So Jesus, in Mark chapter 3, again, he entered the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he, and he said to them, and he's speaking to the Pharisees. And actually in Luke, it says he brought the man into the center of the room and began to look into the eyes of the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And he said this, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good, save a life, to kill? But they were silent. He said it and a pause hit the room. They did not speak, and he just looked at them. And the scripture says, and he looked at them with anger. Guys, we see Jesus get angry. And I want to talk about what angers, like what frustrates, what gets behind him, and a fuel and a fire comes out of Jesus. He gets angry and grieved at the hardness of heart. Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Then the Pharisees went out, immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. Like, what's going on here? Like, why are the Pharisees so mad about someone being healed? Right? Like, what, what, what's the issue there? You see, God established a thing called the Sabbath, and it was on the seventh day that there would actually be a time of rest. Now, God to man. You see, the nation of Israel, they were slaves for over 400 years. They didn't know what rest looked like. And listen, if you can't take a Sabbath, you're still a slave to whatever you're doing. Like if you cannot hit pause, you're a slave. And I'm telling you, God says, no, hit pause, recover, refresh, and watch what I can do. Watch my anointing and what I release. So it's a gift from God, but the religious leaders begin to all of a sudden add all these things. What he meant by you, you need to rest, all right, and it means no work, well, if I carry firewood, that's work. You can't, you can't carry anything. You can't, carry fire. You can't light a fire. Um, you cannot do any form of profession. And they created 39 additional laws to God saying you cannot work. All right? You need rest. So they created all these laws. Even for you and I, what if we took away all the additions that we make? Like all the check, 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 then I could be okay with God. What if we just begin to walk with him? 
Like, what if we just stripped everything back and just begin to encounter and walk with him? Guys, the additions that we have are not checklists. They're there to help you and resource. Like, all right, so, so they created these things. Now, here's what they saw, why Jesus, they saw breaking the law, is because the man was healed. They saw it as a medicine. And if it was a medicine, that meant it was a profession. And because it was a profession, they were breaking the law. See, there, there's a theological um, foundational mess up right here that I believe many of us can make. And I've seen this happen in church times. God is not something you do. Like, he, he's, not in, he's not just something that we do. Like, I go to work, you know, I go to hang out with my family, and I go to church. Like, I've been in church settings where, hey, we did church today. You know, we didn't come and encounter. Guys, he's not contained to a day. Checklist. Guys, he created everything. He created it all. He's in it all. He gave his all, and he deserves it all. Guys, he doesn't want to be contained. He wants to be a part of everything in your life. Your highs, your lows, your goods, your bads, wherever you go. Like, if you like basketball, he wants to chill with you. If you like going to the streets, sharing that, he wants to be with you in everything. He's not contained to a day. You see, what I really truly cares about the little things in your life. You see, Jesus could have waited the very next day, like this man with the withered hand, hey, come back, meet me here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., and I'm going to heal you. Like, he, he could have waited, and there would have been no issue with the Pharisee leaders, all right? But I, I don't believe Jesus was trying to just, just to prove a point. Some of me says yes, Somebody's like, I'm trying to prove a point. I'll talk about what that is here in a second. But I believe Jesus just cared that much about that man. Things like the right now in his life, and as you come in here today, he cares about the little things in your life. Guys, he cares if you're hurting. He cares if you're broken. He cares if you're barely, I even see this, barely like treading the water, keeping your head above the water and breathing. Guys, he cares about it all. He is not far. He is not removed. Guys, myself, like I'm a good dad. Like I really am. Like my kids are everything. But I discipline my kids because of who I want them to be. But guys, even in my disciplining, like even when they mess up, guys, I care about their happiness. Like I care about the joy. I care, when they hurt, I hurt. Like, you know, I, I care about everything in their life. But the Lord says in his scripture, you being evil, you and I, <laughs> me being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids. Your heavenly father, give good gifts to those who love him. Guys, he cares not just about your needs. I even think he cares about your wants. Like now I'm not talking about like the lottery. Like, you know, like, but when you journey with the Lord, he's the one that purifies your wants. Guys, he wants my family to be whole. He wants my family to be healthy. He wants my family to have joy on the inside. Once you get this revelation, it's powerful. It'll change some things in your life. I was at a youth prayer meeting, and the Lord said, Andrew, I want you to pray for something you want. And I was like, no, God. Like, because here's my wife and I. We were, Lord, Lord, whatever fight you want us to pick, I'm your boy. Like, 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 you know, it wasn't about wants. It was about what do we need to do. We're on mission. Whatever we got to do. There's no cost that's too great. I'm all in, God. But he goes, what is something you want? And so I released it to the youth ministry. I said, hey, guys, I feel like the Lord said, Pray for something you want because he cares about your wants. And in that moment, 
the first thing I thought of was, I was like, I want a basketball goal for a youth ministry. And I said, Lord, I don't want just some cheap basketball goal that I got to roll out. I want actually an NBA glass backboard, and I wanted these, these tiles, these plastic tiles that actually represent a wood court that could be played outdoor. That's featured state-of-the-art where we could hold basketball terms. The entire city wants to come out like a next-level basketball court. That's what I want, God. So anyways, the very next day, I actually that night I went and looked it up. It was going to be about 10 grand American. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I didn't know how much it was going to cost, a little more than I thought. And uh, so I have an elder come to me the very next day. At, um, he, he calls me and says, hey, Andrew, I got a question for you. What do you want? <laughs> I said, well, it's funny you asked that. I told him what I wanted. And he goes, well, hey, here's an interesting thing. We met as a board of elders last night, and we just talked about the impact that you're having in the city, in the church, and it's just awesome what's going on. And we just felt like God said, we need to resource you. And last night we approved $10,000 for something that you wanted. So the very next day, we stepped into that. And uh, I share that to say, guys, God cares about those things that interact with him. Guys, Jeremiah 31, he's a good father. The scripture says he formed you in your mother's womb. Like, and actually, when you look at those words in Hebrew, he held you. For nine months before your mother even held you in her, her arms or your father. Like, he knows every hair on your head or lack thereof. I'm getting a little older myself. <laughs> like, he knows every single tear in a bottle, every time that you cried, every single time. He carries that every single one. His thoughts of you are more than the grain of sand. There was a men's conference by a guy by the name of John Eldridge. And there's hundreds of men in this room. And John had a word of knowledge in his ministry moment. And it was something very specific but very vulgar. Speak this over a son. And it was probably the most offensive thing I've ever heard. And definitely the most vulgar thing I've ever heard in a church. Because he actually said, I had, the Lord told me to say exactly what it was. And he rips it out. And there was a man on the very front that fell to his knees, weeping, like just ugly crying. Just let it go. Guys, this man that was in the front row was 70 years old. It was something his father would speak over most every day when he was 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 years old. Guys, God cared so much about that 70-year-old man to go back to something that happened to him when he was a young boy. God cares about the small things in your life. He wants to see you whole about the small things. And Jesus says to this man with a withered hand, he says, come here. He invites him closer. Guys, that might have been the very first time that man heard that word, come here. Guys, many times you probably heard the phrase, get away. Because he was unclean. He was unclean. He had a defection that made him unclean. And he would actually have to say, unclean, un would back away. Talk about loneliness. Guys, that's why God, I'm not waiting another day. This man has been lonely, separated in a way, and he says, come here, and he puts him in the center of everyone to see.
Guys, he cares about your loneliness. He cares about what you're going through, and he calls you and invites you in. And here's what I see in this. He's not scared of the things that make you unclean. There was that actually had 3,400 demons that still could come near to Jesus. I think you might be doing a little bit better than that. Not much. <laughs> you see, in the Old Testament, when a man was unclean or a woman was unclean, when they touched someone, the person that was clean now becomes unclean. But what we see with Jesus steps in, pure, white as snow, sinless, tempted as you and I. He has compassion because he was tempted, but he remained sinless. The only person in the world that remained sinless, and he was so clean that when he touched someone that was unclean, they became clean. The transmission took place. God is not scared of the very things that bring you shame. He's not scared of the abortion. He's not scared of anything else because he knows the only way that you can become clean is by an encounter with him. God, you cannot dress yourself up. You cannot shower yourself up. You cannot. It's only through him. He came to save the world, the scripture says, through him because that is the only way. That it, that alone. So all of a sudden he has and he says this to the religious leaders and he's angry. There's another time in scripture where Jesus gets mad is when he makes a whip because he sees the church having these money changing tables and it wasn't the money exchange, it was the barrier that was being separated and created for someone that could not access the presence of God. They created barriers that separated them from the presence of God. Could you imagine Jesus making a whip? As he's sitting down like, I'm going to be whipping the junk out of these guys. Like, I'm going to whip them. I'm going to hit. I'm going to flip these. Oh, and he's making. The, how long does it take to make a whip? I don't know. Is there a good leather one? <laughs> like, he's making this whip. There's fuel and fire in his heart. And he goes in and he begins to flip tables, begins to whip because there were barriers separated. And, guys, it's only through him. And he wants to remove all barriers. Every single one, whatever barrier you have in your life, in your life, he violently wants to come against it and flip it and remove it. Because it's only through him. Guys, my son, I love that boy. He is one of the fiery, most challenging kids you'd ever meet. Man, he was such a hard, hard kid. And I remember one day, like, Lord, I don't like where my relationship is with my son right now. Like, that's my boy, my only boy. And I'm telling you, this boy's driving me nuts. I'm just being honest with you. Adam gets madder. It's like, what's wrong with you? And the Lord said, change how you're talking to him. So I tar- started calling him best bud. And it's crazy because he is my best bud. Like, I love the heck out of that boy. And I'm telling you, like, I mean, when I would discipline him as a kid, he'd just look at me in the eye. Like, he's more of a man than I am at like four years old. I'm like, dude, this dude is tough as nails. And... Uh, but my son, there's a revelation about God. When my boy gets in trouble, he'll go to his room. And he has so much, just this fire in him. I'm telling you, he's going to be a world changer. He is an apostle. And I, I can't tell you all the prophetic. But So anyways, he goes to his room. And this is what I'll hear. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the, 
And he sings this song under his blanket, just crying before the Lord. And my one time there, she said, Lawson, why are you singing that song? He goes, because it makes me feel better, Mom. <laughs> Guys, when we mess up, we're hurt and broken. What are you turning to? He has the revelation that when I messed up, when I really messed up and I'm hurting and I'm broken, it's Jesus loves me. This Jesus loves me. May that be the anthem of your life when you have depression and you wake up. And, yes, Jesus loves me. Guys, it's that. Are you tracking what I'm I know I'm not the greatest and eloquent in words, but I hope you're getting what he's trying to say to you today. He wants it. He invites it in. He wants to break down any barriers, but let me ask you this question. Have you created barriers for other people? Have you created barriers for Have you created barriers for people that don't look like you, act like you, and don't think like you? Have you created barriers for people that actually have stood against you? Like are we, and I, I really believe this, that there's churches and maybe a greater body that I realize that are actually creating barriers for people to encounter the love of God. What tables would Jesus, what tables would he want to flip in my life? And I'll tell you the reason I came with in a burden, because he flipped some things in me. Guys, there were some people that hurt me, people that offended me, and he came and said, Andrew, you have barriers in your heart that's preventing them from encountering me. I need to flip those. And I need you to start praying for them because they just need me. Guys, and that was a journey what I went through. Then there's different groups and different people. I'm saying, God, they're coming against this. They're coming. Andrew, there's barriers in your heart. I need you to remove those and separate those things. Guys, religion is man's attempt to get to God. But Jesus, Christianity, is God's attempt to get to man, and he is ruthless. He removed all barriers by coming down to this earth and dying for us. People need a love, a radical love encounter with Jesus Christ. Let his love lead us where we can't go. Let his love lead us Change the church. Let his love lead us to places that go, oh, you can't do that. Who made the rules? Jesus said, I'm coming to save the world. He so loved them. What barriers does he want to rip in here? What barriers, even in great, guys, we all have barriers. They need a counter with love. You might say, no, they need truth. On this scripture about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And even in this, I believe it was a trap set up by the Pharisees that they set this all up. So they bring her to Jesus. What does Jesus do? Scripture actually says he got down on her level. He got down on her level. Guys, are we getting down on the level with people? See, what happens, he draws the line on the side of the line. He draws this line. The Scripture says he's beginning to write into the sand. He said, he who with the first sin... Or with no sin, throw the first stone. And he was writing. Scripture doesn't say what he's writing. I believe he was actually writing out the very sins of the people in front of him. Maybe even drawing pictures. 
Remember that? Oh, that's embarrassing, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and one by one, oldest, because they had the most, began to walk away one by one. And Jesus says this phrase, where are your accusers? And it said, neither, listen to Jesus, neither do I accuse you. She was in the act of adultery. What did she encounter? The love of God, the grace of God that's greater than anything we could think or deserve. But what does he say to her next? Go and sin no more. I feel like many times we can be like, go and sin no more. Don't do this. Oh, yeah, Jesus too. Yeah, you can have him also. Jesus showed the love of God. Guys, I have three approaches to different people. Guys, when there is someone that I believe is lost, the scripture says they're sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for them. I show love, I show compassion, and I give my heart. Guys, I will go and talk to some of the craziest people and the craziest stories that I tell you, they probably haven't talked to a pastor or a Christian in 10 years. And I find them. I, I'll, see, I'll see people that have a shirt that says, I'm an activist. And I'm like, what do you, and I'll just begin to talk and I'll ask a question. How do you think the church or pastors view you? I just ask questions. It's crazy. We engage in a thing called conversation. And I just get to be there. Just get to love them and hear. Sometimes apologize. Like and invite. Like I'm waiting for a moment of the Holy Spirit to drop something, but maybe we just need to be that voice that says, I'm not who you think you are. He's not who you think he is. Now that's the level that I'll go with this. Now if there's a new Christian that's stumbling and falling, guys, I'm going to meet with them and I'm going to talk to them about the hurt and pain that they're going to cause in their life by the decision they make. They have a different tone. Now it's a little more virile. Like, hey, you continue, guys. There, there's going to be a cost to what you're doing right now. It's going to hurt. It's going to affect your family. Because what we do now affects down the road. It's going to have all these things. I have compassion for them. Now if there was a, and I oversee a lot of Easter that's messing up, I'm going to take my, my holy Bible and I'm going to slap them upside the head. All right? There's a different level of compassion. Why? Because now it doesn't just hurt him. It actually hurts everybody. Do you see, you see the different approaches that Jesus even carries? There's a different sternness that he talks to, to you and I as believers in the body of Christ. Because we need to have compassion as we release that out. I, I, I hope, again, you're hearing this today. Are you receiving? And the very last thing, and if the worship team could come up. Jesus restores the man with the withered hand. You see, the right hand represents strength. It represents confidence. And Jesus fully heals, fully restores everything. I came into this week, about three weeks ago, when I just began to pray. And I heard the Lord say, I want to restore confidence. Do you remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? There was nothing God couldn't do. Do you remember that? You encountered this living God that created everything, that called you by name. You had this personal encounter. Guys, there was nothing, no bounds to what he could do, even what he could do through me. Like my son has this song that he sings. It goes like this. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Hey, hey. 
<laughs> like that's his song. He sings that song. Let that anthem begin to rise up in your heart again. There's no limits to what he can do. Let confidence begin to rise again because it's an encounter with him, a love encounter. You might have had failed marriages before. Let him restore you. That's not your future. That's not your destiny. He wants to completely restore you and heal you. I just want to finish with this story. There's a man in Texas that my wife and I knew. And this man, before he gave his life to Jesus, he owned a couple bars in the city in Texas. He came home one night to find his wife. Not only was she murdered, she was actually abused after she was murdered. And it wasn't like this man was premeditated. He didn't steal anything. He just ate some food and continued on his journey. This man had hate in his heart when he saw this situation as any one of us would journey through. So he found out what prison the man was going to be in or was in. He got meth and he went because he wanted to go into the prison to kill the man that killed his wife. Hate in his heart. So he goes in there, he makes an attempt, but they find out the connection. They remove the man and now all of a sudden this man lost everything. Broken is everything. Hate in his heart. Wanting to kill the person that killed his wife. And now he doesn't even have a chance to do that. God was in that place. He had a one-on-one counter. God saved him. God healed him. And God fully restored him. In a prison cell. I have seen better Christians in prisons than I've seen in churches. I've seen the Spirit of God more alive in men in a prison than I saw in myself as a young pastor. And I had to repent and come before the Lord. God, hope is nothing. It is everything to do with the man of hope in Jesus Christ. He restores him. So now this man that encounters the love of God, God bursts a ministry in him to actually go back to the prisons and he ministers to men of domestic violence. He ministers to men that have abused children, people that people write off that say, no, that is too much. That is too much for anyone to do. He goes to those places because they just need a love encounter with God. He went to the man that murdered his wife and he forgave him. God healed him that much. God wants to heal you that much for those people that have a grip on your life where you're free from. God wants to heal you that much. Those people that frustrate you that you actually have a love for. People that have hurt me. I love them. I know if they don't get encountered the love of God, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. I love the people that don't... I just love them. I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Father. So right now, if you have a wound that you feel like God needs to heal, I just want you to raise right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, right now, you say that phrase, you so love the world. 
Lord, you so love your sons and daughters that are hurting right now. You so love the man with the withered hand. You so loved the woman and called. Lord Jesus, right now I ask that you flood them with the love of God right now that heals every single wound, that restores every single hurt, every single pain, everything, Lord Jesus. I speak a refreshing, a renewment to take place in their hearts, in their lives. Father, speak hope to rise up. Everything opposite of how they've been suffering, Lord Jesus, I speak wellness and wholeness the mighty name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.